Okay, you ready to start this show? Uh, your host of the evening is a really funny dude. Um, I forgot his last name, but I've seen him before, and he's really funny. Uh, give it up for Mike. Coming to you live, on tape, from the lucky 13th floor of a commercial high-rise in beautiful Beverly Hills adjacent California. From the studios of Sirius XM West, boasting an obstructed view of the world-famous Hollywood sign, this is The Tully Show. I am your host, Mike Tully. Joining me today, an Emmy-nominated actor who has emerged actor. <laughs> an Emmy-nominated actor who has emerged as one of Hollywood's go-to, balding, middle-aged, vaguely creepy, comedic character actors. You can see him this Sunday in the second installment of Adult Swim's Mr. Neighbor's House. Hello and welcome, Brian Husky. Thank you. I see that my uh, my agent wrote up my profile for me, that, the, the summation of, of my, my talents and my physical qualities. Right? Do, do um does does your agent have a type for you that they have told you that they give to prospective casting agents? Oh, we got the guy for you. He's totally fill in the description. Uh Well, okay, I am I am I have been certified uh as an as a that guy. You know what I mean? You're for sure a that guy. A that guy, which is that vague sort of like uh I get a lot of looks that either people want to kick my ass or they think they know me or they think I'm their neighbor. Like a lot of kind of looks where I'm like, is that guy mad at me? Is that guy, he thinks he knows me, you know, and I, I don't know sometimes where or when it's going to be like that. Um, but they, yeah, they, I, they just, the, my vibe, I guess they put me in for sort of like uh low level management, uh, principal, uh, uh, Authority figure, doctor. Oh my God, so many doctors. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, it's kind of the fill in the blank thing. But I think it's kind of, I think I've expanded beyond that now, which is good. Yeah. And in the special, you kind of start off playing a character that I'm accustomed to seeing you play and then expand into a, a whole gamut of stuff. Yeah. A potpourri, a buffet. So a couple of years ago, you did start turning up in every single TV show that I watch. Oh, that's good. That means you're my demographic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's a weird, I don't know exactly what you call it, because there's these little, there's the app of town, and there's what have you. I guess you're part of, like, Cordryville? Uh, yeah, Cordryville, uh, 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 Roganberg as well, Seth Roganberg. Uh-huh. Uh, I've seen you. Uh, uh, Evan Goldberg. <laughs> you were in one of my favorite episodes of uh, Children's Hospital. You've been in Wet Hot American Summer. I did not realize you were the voice of... Uh, Regular Size Rudy on Bob's Burgers. That's terrific. That's cool. I like it. That seems like it's a really... I, I don't know how much the voice talent are actually around each other. That seems like it would be one of the warmest... Oh, God. environments to do television in. it is it is easily i mean I, people who are on the writing staff there they will never leave because they're like this is the ideal gig it's like collaborative and encouraging and and fun like it just sort of you, you don't feel like you're doing a tv show you feel like cool i'm gonna go hang out with my you know my buds and stuff and i did one this week and same thing they let us mess around they let us do the script um yeah, nothing precious about it. It's awesome. It would be hilarious if it was a like a complete pressure cooker 
There just are somebody, ru- ru- you know, like uh, every time the mics were not rolling on Bob's Burgers, just a screaming, just you know, <laughs> avalanche of volcanic rage. Yeah, it's just apocalypse now at all times. It's funny. There are definitely those kind of like uh, there are those shows that sort of have that kind of shiny, happy veneer, and then behind the scenes, just like ooh, somebody's got control issues. You don't. I would never ask you to name names, but. That's funny. What is that like? How does that play out? When do you get the whiff that something is crazy on a show that appears outwardly normal? You just kind of, I I just give in to it, you know, and just reserve all my sort of like reactions for afterwards because it's easier to just join the herd and swim, you know, <laughs> swim down that river with them as opposed to like, wait, this is, unless, you know, unless they're bad, you know, I never let anybody disrespect me. Um, so... And I've had to sort of say to somebody, like, no, I, you can't talk to me that way. Uh, we won't work together well if you talk to me that way. Good and, for you. Yeah, it was good. And and they were like, oh, was I talking to you a certain way? I'm so sorry. And they didn't even realize it. So I think a lot of times it's, it is part and parcel of just every, everybody's nervous. <laughs> you know, everybody's, like, scared about, like, if they're doing a good job or, you know, how they're doing and stuff. And some people express it in different ways. Yeah, I guess there's very few made men and women who just know, you know, the days of, look, you know, I remember here, I'll say the name because who the hell cares at this point? I knew somebody <laughs> who worked on um, Sybil Shepard's sitcom. Right. Sybil. Yeah. And I guess she was well known on the set when things got hairy. Yeah. To just exclaim, whose name is on the side of this studio? Oh, God. Yeah. And then I happened to go past there uh, the year that it was canceled, and they had taken it down. You could still see the outline <laughs> of her script of Sybil. Who's still on the side of this? Her in the alleyway. <laughs> Motherfucker, get away from the garbage can. Just walking around with the actual sign. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Who's holding my old sign? And living in the dumpster. But I don't think you get so many of those anymore because there's so much work. It's such a great golden age of there's so many TV shows. There's so many outlets. Yeah. But these things... The the flip side of that is that they're not fly by night, but you right. don't get to you, you're you maybe the boss today, but three months from now you might be looking for a job. Yeah, as much as there's the uh, the gig economy, you know, people are sort of like, well, I'm a dog walker, I'm a you know a laptop consultant, and I come to your house or whatever their job, and they go. I think for actors and writers and producers and stuff, it it is much more of a, like a gig to gig to gig to gig kind of gig you know yeah. which it always is but you the 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 jackpots are fewer right which sounds gross to say it that way you know but it's like it, it's just it's just a numbers game they're what 600 channels now which with sub platforms and secret rooms you can go into for more p- content so yeah. i mean even doing this like promoting the show it's just like you are screaming into a hurricane because there's just so much stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the kind of comedy, again, it's, you know, Cordryville or, or, or what have you. I find, like, I will hear about your TV show mm-hmm. 15 times. Yeah. Oh, that's it, good. Yeah. In the next week. So yeah. they've got me targeted. Cool. Yeah. I think it is like, I. well, I mean, this is, this is the era of, um, uh, Cult, you, you can sort of like dictate your your content. Uh, you can use you can sort of you're, you're the the shepherd of what you like and what you encounter, and you know. So I think it, it people find what they like a little bit more easily. Well, also there that is the 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 good part of Facebook and other apps abusing 
the, mm-hmm. the data that yeah. they have. Yeah, is, yeah. They really do know exactly what I want because they've completely illegally abused right. the information that I've given them. I think I like to think sometimes like, oh, I, I don't know what's going on. I'm, there's just so much stuff. But then I will suddenly gravitate towards something, you know. Yeah. Um, and I find, you know, I'm super into Legion. Have you watched Legion? Mm-mm. Oh my god, is that god. a sci-fi thing? It's a it's an FX series, uh-huh. um, and it's a uh, it's part this a superhero from the Marvel universe. Which at this point, I'm at m- major burnout with that stuff. I'm just like tentpole movies is is too much. I want to see them all die. I want the bad guy to win, and the bad guy won. Fucking spoiler alert in Avenger Avengers. Interview, yeah, but I wanted him to win decisively. Yeah, I want to see yeah. blood. I want to know that Tony Stark is finished, and then you know just a bunch of aliens chest bump each other, and we're just done. Here. Then we're done. We I walk have, away. I am actually yeah. rooting against my home planet. Yeah, I get it. I mean, we're we're not doing great. <laughs> we're not doing great on on all accounts. <laughs> But Legion is great in that it's this superhero who has um, – uh, I, I can't remember if he's the son of uh, Dr. X. Um, nerds, uh, call into our call-in line. But uh, uh, he he's schizophrenic. So he's like a superhero with uh, unbelievable mind control powers, mind powers, who is schizophrenic. So it's all about like – you know, what is reality and whose reality you're in and inside his head and all this kind of stuff. I mean, it's very much like what we do in this show, but it's just, it's really cool to me that they're, that people are doing that and it's finding an audience. Yeah. It's Um, daunting. I actually feel like I hate the word FOMO. I don't think I really experience a lot of that per se, but um, I don't watch a ton of television. My wife and I are big basketball fans. And Mm -hmm. what we tend to do is, is, so the season just wrapped up is we'll pick like we did game of Thrones last summer. And that sustained us until the NBA came back. Yeah. I, I, I am well, it's, it's hard for me to reconcile myself to the fact that there are probably 50 television shows that I have not seen that I will never see that I would love. Oh yeah. Oh, totally. There's so many, I mean, there's, I, 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 I will send myself an email that says TV show to watch mm-hmm. and just I've got tw- uh, 20 of those that yeah. I've just like, oh, I said this to me three years ago and it's still a viable show that I would love to watch. But I, I keep on thinking someday I'm going to get mono and I'm kind of rooting for it because <laughs> yeah. it's really the only way that that's that's going to work out. Yeah. And one of the things I actually find very appealing about your show is that there's well, so now there's. Two episodes. Two. Spread, two sp- spread out over a year and a half. See, I so, can do that because yeah. I, do, I do the same thing. Like, oh, this thing's supposed to be great on Netflix. And I look and I'm like, uh, and they go, six episodes. I'm like, oh, yeah. all right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's completely achievable. Oh, for, let's learn from the like British. Me. Let's learn from the British. Keep yeah. it small and tidy. Small and tidy. Yeah, Black Mirror went from like 10 episodes to six to, I mean, they're pretty much down to like five minute episodes now. And that's yeah. a season. And yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm great with that. Yeah. I'm all caught up. Yeah, especially something like that because it's it, too much of it, it. It loses its impact, you know. Yeah. Too much of that tone and that kind of bleakness, dystopian. Yeah, and if you watch too many in a row, you start to see it in. Oh God! In actual reality. Oh yeah, you will. You will get off. You will stop watching it. Look down your phone and have a moment of like, oh yeah. Wow, I am this. I am the problem. And I think we have a solid five to eight years before Black Mirror becomes our reality, and we may as well just enjoy it. Right, and yeah. then the Black Mirror for that era will be. Oh my! Oh my God! The pro- that those storylines are going to be beyond. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be my children. I wonder. Do you? Do you have kids? I have a little girl. Yeah, I have an eleven-year-old. 
Okay, so you're a little bit ahead of me. I have a six-year-old, and I'm soon to have a zero-year-old. And I think... So I know that people have been. Um, they, I hope it gets older than zero year old. Your new, your new one. <laughs> I'm I'm rooting for. Her. Okay, great. <laughs> um, you know, like supposedly they found pamphlets that the Puritans, the Puritans wrote that said, "Yeah, we're cool, but this young generation is just the end of the world." Oh yeah. So they've been kind of writing off human civilizations for hundreds, if not thousands, of years. Yeah. But we also do seem to be getting a little bit worse all the time. So maybe the Puritans were were not uh, they were they were not wrong. They had not they didn't misidentify the problem. They just overestimated how bad it was in the short term. I think it's idiotic for I mean anyone who points to the generation after the people who are experiencing the problem. It just ain't like well, you guys aren't doing anything about it. It's like I mean, it is like with the gun control and the and the the Parkland kids. It's like yeah, it took them to do something that everyone's like this massive problem. Isn't you know we can't change it. Yeah, uh, and you know I I my like with my daughter, I see I see stuff in her generation even now. Just like um, the difference in acceptance and perspective and understanding of. Uh, that you don't have to make things as difficult as we make things difficult in like human relations and acceptance and all that kind of s- stuff it gives me a ton of hope. They're I mean, cool. They're y- cool. Young people are cool. Oh my god! I mean, I don't know. We, living in LA, it's a bubble. You know, it's right. it's a little. It's there's there. We are inherently diversified and accepting of you know all sorts of choices and stuff. But I I, I just you know she has like an Instagram account for her slime. She makes slime, which is a big thing amongst kids now it's like this I, the gooey taffy like you know rubbery yeah, stuff yeah I, my, I just had my coffee table ruined this morning oh yeah yeah, yeah. oh my 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 living room is <laughs> disgusting and it's the most un unenvironmental hobby possible i'm just like ah, i should burn styrofoam or let you play with slime yeah um so we do both and uh uh but she like on her instagram she just has all these followers who will post uh like links to humanitarian efforts and animal rescue and it's cool you know it's like it's the kind of it's 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 way beyond what i was doing at that age i would just be like oh yeah i guess there are other problems in the world and they you know i i guess i'm always sort of looking for like hope you know because i don't think the adults are handling it well at all no but we didn't do a whole lot i think because kids felt so powerless and I guess it still remains to be seen how much, you know, internet activism is actually going to accomplish in the real world, real world. but at least yeah. it's at least it's a window in. It's a it's a foot in the door. We just had I remember they re-recorded Give Peace a Chance during the Gulf War with Sebastian Bach of Skid Row. And we were like <laughs> this is my generation. <laughs> I don't know that practically that had any bearing yeah. on on uh, the first George Bush's military policy. Yeah. It is weird because you sort of look at like where we end up, you know, like, well, how do we get here? And then it's very hard to speculate, like, well, where are we going to go? How are you guys going to get up against this, you know, environmentally, too? I'm just like, that. that's something I'm like, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm really sorry that. You guys have your work cut out for you. Yeah. This show's a bummer, man. Yeah, let's let's I, we'll talk about your show in a second. I'm interested to know where you came from. I, I know you've been working very steadily in front of the camera in the last ten years, mm-hmm. but that still constitutes a fairly late break into. Yeah, I guess uh, I I'm from North North Carolina originally, Charlotte. Okay, uh, I'm a Charlotteian, and uh, I originally originally was heading down a path of being a photographer. 
Um, I played in a band before that, but I've always, always wanted to do comedy. I've always wanted to, to either write comedy or perform it. And I just kept kind of doing everything, but because I, you know, was scared or wasn't, didn't have the right sort of like impetus. And uh, speaking of Cordryville, Cordry and I uh, have been friends for 20 plus years. We were roommates for five years and he was the reason I got into comedy. Is he, this in New York? Yeah, this is in New York. He, We had a mutual friend. We became roommates. He was like, you're actually funnier than the people I perform with in my sketch group. You should do comedy. We should do something together because we realized we had a similar vibe uh, and take on stuff. And that's kind of it. I mean, I tell the story all the time, but I will forever credit him as being the the catalyst for sort of me embarking on my dream. And then it was uh, I got into Upright Citizens Brigade Theater uh, at the very beginning, which is very fortunate for me because if I went there now, I'd be like, "Ooh, too many people, run away!" I'd be very, I'd be very intimidated. It's a crowded house. It's a big. There's crowded houses. It's a big old yeah, multiple houses crammed inside of a tiny shack. It's it's so many so many people. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it, I mean, I've been doing it for, I'd say I've been an, I've been trying to be an actor for maybe 15 to 17 years. Cause I'm not good with time, but I feel like the first chunk of it was just me learning improv, learning to perform, figuring out what my voice was, getting my confidence to to even do an audition and then finally giving myself permission saying like oh i guess you are now an actor you are now trying to do comedy and so once that happened i was like things started to happen i'm curious to know about your about the confidence part of it because i know a lot of stand-up comedians who tell me it's this funny thing where they say it's about a 50 50 thing 50 percent of the time before they go up they just feel great and they mm-hmm. feel very centered and grounded and in the zone and they're in a good mood and it comes very naturally. And then the other 50% of the time, their body and their mind is telling them, you are literally the last person in this room right. who should be getting up in front of the room. Yeah. And of course, they're professionals. So you and I would not probably know the difference between the way they were feeling on a good day or a bad day going up. Right. But the fact remains, a stand-up comic has prepared material and practiced material and in the worst case scenario, can go on autopilot. Yeah. And that's just got to take some of the nerves away. That mm-hmm. You could literally just sit there and recite your stuff and get a couple chuckles and get the hell out of there. Right. I spent a little bit of time around UCB in New York by the time they were in the second uh, theater, the one under the Gristides. Yeah, yeah. And just some of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire life happen yeah. in that room. So much funnier. It, it made me really understand how broken Hollywood comedic filmmaking was yeah when you can see movies that have been labored over and high-priced talent and rewrites that are nowhere near as funny as what five people just made up on stage while water was leaking from Mercedes <laughs> yeah. onto yeah. them and three out of those five people will probably never be a full-time uh comic actor they right. probably have a day job and will just improv will just be this thing they used to do for fun when they were single yeah totally so i've this has become a really long question that's completely gotten off topic. But... Making a lot of good points, especially about the drippy water from Gristis. <laughs> I saw I saw people tap in the water. It was amazing. Oh, it's not what water is. From the the butcher shop was directly above. Oh there. my goodness! So you might have been getting some. You know, there might have been some so, uh, some poisoning going on. Some kind of at the very uh, least ham. diseases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. trichinosis. Yeah. So how what do you do with that? There's got to be. It's not enough to say you know. Well, I'll just do my best. Do you develop a tool or a method for when you just do not feel funny, when you do not feel like 
talking, when, well, and you still have to get up there and improvise. I will say, like definitively, the times that I have felt the most like off and just like I just want to hide and I don't want to go and be in public and stuff has ended up being some of the best shows I've ever had. Because and I was talking with my friend Jason Manzukas, who wrote the show with me, sure, and we've been performing together for you know a little bit later than than Cordry, but he's like a big part of my life and all these guys. Like we have all sort of like influenced and shaped each other, and and it's it's been hashtag blast. Um, but it, it like we were talking about that the experience of doing improv is such a a. You you have permission to be unconsciously expressive and in control at the same time. Like you're giving in to your brain to say like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to trust that it's going to be enjoyable for me and I'm going to I'm going to react to the other person who I trust and something's going to come out of it. And that it always it's it's always a very fulfilling, freeing thing that kind of wipes away you know, if you're feeling like crap or bad about yourself or whatever. Um, I mean, definitely there'll be ones where you're like, oh, that was just a terrible show. Of course. But the difference is like, you know, we were talking about like we feel more confident and, and comfortable in an improv setting than if we had to go and sort of have a scripted thing that we had to execute with a certain amount of like, yeah, you got to hit the beats, you got to know this, da, 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 da. the accountability of that for me is 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 more daunting than like, Oh, I I get the opportunity and just to go up there and go for it. Great, I'll, you know if it doesn't work out, then I didn't plan it, so it's not on me. <laughs> is it hard to? I mean, it is on me, but it's not the same. It's not the same as sort of like, you know, if if you make a movie and and you put all this money and time and effort and stuff, and it's it's a stinker, then you're like, well, who's accountable for this? But if you're doing improv. You you're sort of leaning more towards like the excitement of what what could happen as mm-hmm. opposed to the expectation of like why didn't that happen or you know I don't know I'm, I'm basically citing with with improv is like a uh, it's a it's it's more exciting to discover than the discovery of of um, stand up to me I absolutely agree with that and impossible to repeat the jokes (laughs) right you know what i mean it is i mean this is the you know the most sort of put on my beret kind of like illusion but it is like going to see jazz you're going to go see some people do a song that they're going to nobody's ever going to play it that way again yeah they're going to do some stuff that you you try to explain it like oh cool sounds riffy (laughs) yeah no, I, I back you 100%. Bad improv probably makes people think of a certain kind of thing, you know, because I don't how many people have access to really good improv. You're yeah. Talking about mainly UCB theaters, I think. Yeah. I don't know how much bigger it's really gotten than that, where it's really the, the top stuff. It's, I'm not an improv person. I just, you know, I respect, wow, this is, and, and, and it's so thrilling for the crowd because it is really happening in the moment. I'm sure jazz is similar in that regard yeah. too, that I'm here for this. I think that the similarity between both of them, whether you're doing stand up or improv, if you have the feeling before and then the show is a different thing, then if the show becomes sort of a success or uh, it, it exceeds your negative state before, that means you're in a place of like flow and yeah. can connection with it. And that's, 
in any for any performer that's what you want right you know and the audience wants that too the audience has as much confidence in you as you have in your experience on stage so if you are if you are letting the audience like tank you because you, they don't like your jokes they're they're giving up as much as like you are but if you hang in there and they hang in there with you you're gonna pay it off is it hard to liberate your unconscious like that because i i'm terrified that i'm going to become senile when i get older and i'm going to start saying a bunch of things that i kept like suppressed my <laughs> entire adult life and the crazy thing brian is that i don't really have anything all that terrible right. to hide but it would be I, I don't think that's something i could personally ever get over it's just going i'm i'm not going to filter it it's going to come out before i even have a chance to right. to double check it and that fear that i might just say something that people go look dude we're all just here having a good time but you're you're fucked up like you're not yeah. welcome here anymore. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, this is the other thing we talk about is like it is it's therapy on stage. Like we, whether we play a character who's saying something or we're quoting somebody we said earlier, it it's still us filtered through this this form, you yeah. know. So I know there are people who who do it to kind of not to hide, but they, you know, they do it to kind of like offset how they might be in real life. But I, I, I contend they're still being themselves. You know, you, you can't be a performer and not be a version of yourself. Um, there's that documentary about uh, Jim Carrey making the, the man in the moon. Yes. But, and it's interesting when he was talking about all the, all the movies he was cast in had this theme of what he was kind of dealing with personally about like who he was and what his true nature was. And, and they had that through line, like Truman show and, and um, even the mask, you know, just something as goofy as that, like a guy who just has to adopt another persona to be comfortable, you know, or powerful. Right. So Which I think what yeah. Jim Carrey kind of is. Yeah. And so I think any, any performer is doing some version of that. Um, any art. I mean, you're just taking you're taking something you want to express and putting it in another uh, m- medium or mode. You know. So why then did you choose a children's show, <laughs> Mister Neighbor's House? Uh, well, it's, that started just because we were we were talking after an improv show, uh, just about kids shows that we watched when we were growing up, like regional ones, and we just the through line was like, oh, they all had this kind of weird menace to them that you know looking at them now you're like oh that's actually creepy when you're a kid you'll invest in sort of a crappy puppet and be like he's beautiful and to us we're like oh that looks like it's been on the wrong hands i don't, I don't <laughs> like that puppet um so we just started that was just our start starting point we we're like it would be funny if i was the host of a kind of a dark kid show uh and then i just wanted to it's things on adult swim you can do whatever there, which is great. But sometimes whatever gets a little old. Like you can sort of like have craziness to the point where like I'm not even paying attention to what this is anymore. It's just like another crazy thing. So we wanted to, we wanted to have a, um, sort of like a a reason for why we have a dark kids show. So we wanted to have the host dealing with something dark that would inform why a kids show might get crazy and dark and expressive of something that he's going through. And then just to answer that question, I also like that stuff. I, I love kind of wrestling with like your demons. 
Yeah, plot wise, it it paid off. I mean, in a far more satisfactory. I wasn't expecting it to pay off in the slightest. Yeah, okay. and then it's actually <laughs> great confidence. Well, I thought it was going to be what you're what right. you're talking about, which is and and I think that. It's kind of crazy that like people like you and I, I'm I'm 40 year older than 40, are still yeah. hanging around and enjoying stuff on Adult Swim. Because fundamentally, what this is about is you just got home from Del Taco and you're mm-hmm. incredibly stoned, right? And you turn on TV and you go, "What the fuck is yeah, yeah. this?" Yeah, totally. So the the kinds of shows that you're talking about, I know the ones you're talking about, are just fine, right? For you know, we used to watch what like liquid television and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. And it was just to blow your mind because you were really, really baked. Right. And yeah, it exactly. wasn't it didn't have to be more than that. Right, right. You know, it's almost like the comic book movies nowadays where there's there's this has fundamentally always been for children, but now there's so many adults watching they're like, oh we need to make this logically consistent and yeah, yeah. shit. Yeah. Yeah. You kinda of battle with the uh, the golden age of T V a little bit. But I, adult swim is just cool in that way and Mike Blazo is the you know, he's the creative mind behind all of it. Um He's just really interesting in that he he was like, what can we do with TV? Like, what can we do with an idea and see how far it goes and stuff? So, yeah, you know, they're great in that way that they're they are willing to sort of say, like, all right, you got this uh, premise show. Oh, you're going to add this interesting narrative twist. Go for it. But they also we did a pilot of uh, uh, like one of their 15 minute version pilots of this. Mm-hmm. And so if we had done it as a series, which would have been great. But, you know, I, I think this pays off. I want to say artistically better, but if it had been the other version, it might have just been sort of like a series of bits with a tiny bit of narrative stuff that we're playing with. And this way we can sort of play as much with the narrative as the bits. I feel like we're we're good enough with each other that if we work really hard on the story, we can put funny in wherever. Yeah. Um, there isn't going to be really like children's shows like this anymore. Are, are there, I think we're too suspicious mm. of – I don't think there was anything wrong with Mr. Rogers no. as a person. And I did a quick Wikipedia on Captain Kangaroo to see if I was forgetting something yeah. awful. So far as we know, totally stand-up guys. But you're yeah. you're you're a parent. I'm very suspicious of anybody who wants to entertain children who's an adult. Yeah, it's weird. I actually have a friend who is going around um, and he would be – fantastic because he is just uh, an inherently good person but he's just like I'd like to sort of do a Mr. Rogers S show for kids now that has the pacing that uh, that they're used to you know what I mean it's not the same they can't do that slow calm talking to camera it needs something different he's like but yeah these kids demand seizures yeah they d- demand seizures <laughs> but he's like but in between inducing the seizures he's like they also want to be addressed and they want to be uh respected and and all that kind of stuff so um so that i, I hope off. yeah i think they could pull it off and uh, did you ever watch yo gabba gabba uh we skipped that one in the first round i have a feeling i'll probably catch it on yeah it's great I mean, and it's great and it's sort of like it's like a trippy Sesame Street or uh, the electric company, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of like little disjointed kind of like sketches, but they all have follow a theme, you know. So I don't know. Don't give up hope. Again, the kids, you got to invest in the future, the kids. Right. Their ability to uh, both uh, change the world and, and to watch TV, and to watch quality yeah, yeah. programming. <laughs> if, we, if, if we, if anything, kids just watch quality programming. Yeah. That's, um, that's going to save the earth. My favorite part of this show involved you as a teenage girl. Oh, thank you. I mean, we might be giving away too much, but uh, that does that does happen in this show. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I want to be careful. I, I, I have to 
touch on it. Let's just say you're around teenage girls, and I'm curious what the casting process was and how do you explain to girls that I'm assuming would otherwise be auditioning for mainstream teen girl on we teen just, show. We just said, treat this exactly like any other drama, teen girl drama that you're doing with that tone and that treatment. Um but you're going to have to say lines like, uh, I made up a story about you having a second butthole. Yes. Um, those kinds of things. Uh, which is, you know, you just kind of juxtapose the 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 genre with the with the with the content and it's hopefully funny it worked i mean do you have banter do you hang out with the? did you hang out with the teenage girls they're cool yeah they're yeah. cool and i was you know it it it's a testament to 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 them just being like just as actors like this is really insane and really cool to do something it's like and they were like we don't i have no idea what this show is like what it's going to end up being and we had a screening last night and one of them came um and she was so into it and so excited. And I was really happy as opposed to her being like, that was weird. I'm not going to, uh, yuck. Yeah, uh, I, I am not retweeting this. No, I am not going <laughs> to. This is not getting on my IG. I'm calling IMDB. This yeah. is coming down. Yeah. Yeah, she was pretty into it. And then there's a, the, a mother of like a young child who appears in it. And I was like, this is going to get weird. Yeah. And and she's like, yeah, it's cool. He watches weird stuff. And I was like, all right, everybody's. That's that's her, that's her decision. I, I was talking with my um, uh, my daughter's mother today, and I was like, I want her to see it, but I don't, do you think it's too much? And she's like, she could watch the first one fine. Um, but I was like, but for me, there's something, she watches pretty heavy TV. Like, she's always had advanced taste and everything. And... Um, but I was like, but it's different to see your dad acting really fucked up. It's gotta be, right? <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's really because I, I think often of stand-up comics who just you know give away all kinds of things on stage that ordinary people wouldn't share, you know, over over dinner with friends or something like right. that. And it's just part of the job is your kid's going to know that you're probably not joking about that time Dad was having sex with my mom. Right, right. But when you're uh, portraying somebody who, as you as you have an, across a number of roles, who's sort of mentally erratic, right? This is sort of uncharted territory for what. For even the most grounded, tasteful child, yeah. For what effect that that would have on them? She knows me sort of as being, uh, you know, low, low status dudes in shows, mm-hmm. uh, uh, or um, or that, or kind of unhinged, uh, you know, crazy guys. And uh, I have taught I've talked to her about like, but as far as like playing the unhinged crazy guy is like, I, you know, and I've talked to her a lot about like mental illness, just because in L.A. Seeing people on the street living in tents, you know, is is not something that shouldn't be discussed, you know. And so I talked to her about, like, these people are not bad people. These are people who just have as much as they might have, like, a heart problem. They're, they have a brain problem. Their brain is not working the right way. And the difference is when your brain doesn't work the right way, it changes your behavior. And your behavior with other people affects other people. And so you just have to sort of know how people are going to be different, but don't look down on them or don't, you know, don't see them as like monsters and stuff. Uh, Spoken like a really effective host of a children's TV show. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm always practicing on her. Yeah, it's very elaborate. I got to put the costume on. She's like, please, I just want to go to bed. Enough with the sweater. Seriously, it's the middle of summer. I'm a tween now. This is way beyond me. (laughs) Are you kind of ripped? You look. You look like you're in very good shape. Oh, thanks. I've been trying. Yeah, I've I I work out with Doug, and he's my age, and he gives me a. 
approachable workouts that I can do for my, uh, I'm almost 50. Is so. that what they call them? <laughs> approachable? <laughs> That's the inspirational language. <laughs> Let's do that in approachable yeah. workout. It's totally approachable, brah. It's Low puffy. impact. <laughs> slight puffiness. Uh, thank you. You look good, too. How old are you? I am uh, going to be 41 shortly. Yeah. See? You're great. It just comes. Yeah, it does We're come. never going to grow up, are we? I do. I, when I see my pictures of myself now or catch my reflection, the, the increasing whiteness in my beard mm-hmm. is always like, whoa, seriously? That's crazy. And, yeah, you know, I I felt I just felt like there was this arc that everybody had, you know, actors would be, you know, the people who I knew to be mainstream Hollywood kind of people in the 80s and 90s or, you know, later I would find out, oh, this guy was a fucking animal on the set in the 70s. Right. And so I go, oh, OK, so you have your wild years and then you just kind of become some selling boring, uh, you know, yuppie. Yeah. Guy. Yeah, yeah. And that's just not like happening with our generation. We're just, you know, I feel like you and Cordry have the exact same sensibility comedically. Like, you guys are going to have TV shows on whatever the VH1 of Adult Swim is 20 years from now. (laughs) You're just going to keep on having new weird shows. I hope so. I mean, I genuinely, genuinely hope so. Like, as much as like a personal vow that I've made to myself, a commitment is like, I always want to do an improv show, even if I'm... 78 80 and it's once a month or once every three months just to stay in and i'm sure it would be terrible it would be like the most slow paced reaching for an illusion that is sort of you know i'd make a barney miller reference and be like what (laughs) What the hell's going on you guys don't remember fish Uh, come on uh but like that and and being able to do work that is creatively satisfying in some version of my voice is really important you know, to me, um, I don't know how that might be. You know, I mean, there are so many choices now. You can do podcasts and all that kind of stuff. It's a question of uh, 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 ambition, I guess, or or sort of drive to do it. You know. Yeah. Well, you you could definitely. There's going to be no shortage of outlet. If you want to have like some sort of app television show or web television show, you're not going to need anybody's permission to right. do it very yeah. very soon. Well, I, I also like because I played in the band and stuff. I the the whole DIY thing, do it yourself, is just always been always made sense to me and and put things within my grasp. You know, I was like, oh, if I if I'm doing this with my friends and I'm doing it because I like it, and other people that I like like it, that's that's very satisfying to me. That's great. Um, but something like this. I I want more people to know about it because I do think it's I'm really proud of it and I think it's yeah thanks and I and I and it's you know when I was kind of bitching earlier about yelling into the hurricane of like just cutting through all the get my attention over here watch my show that's tough you know um so if anything I would my my big hope is like other comedy nerds and other people with that aesthetic find it um cuz if I can if if I can connect with like a 15-year-old version of me in the Midwest who doesn't know anything hasn't seen anything like this and has their mind blown that would be so great like that would be so great. I'm telling you, if you just get them to hand out little ads at Del Taco, just starting <laughs> yeah. at starting at around 11:30 at the at the drive-in window. Yeah. Just when you get home, watch this. Trust us. I know. If they just put like a little Mr. Neighbor sticker on any frozen pizza, yeah. in all the grocery stores, <laughs> I think you'll be set. just fine. Uh, I'll remind everybody it's premiering this Sunday, June 25th, on Adult uh, Swim. June 24th. June right. 24th. This is very important. It's June 24th, Sunday, June 24th at midnight. 
And so gotcha. Don't don't do don't do. I mean, if you think really hard, it'll blow your mind. But it's just think in terms of like it's Sunday night at midnight. I'm going to record it. It is actually the 25th, but they want people to sort of think think. Yes. That's the problem. You, of you, will, you will be enjoying this as part of your experience of the day of the 24th. Yes, and it's called Mr. Neighbor's House 2. That's what to, that's what you tell your DVRs to look for. Okay, that's cool. I have a few minutes left with you. I wanted yeah. to, uh, if you don't mind, I want to go a little James Lipton with you on your IMDb because Ooh. you've been in all sorts of uh, fun, a lot of uh, uh, shorts and mm-hmm. stuff like that. There's... You've been on so many things everybody's aware of, but you've been on a number of things that I was not personally aware of. I, I might don't... not be either. So. Okay. Do you recall taking part in a project called Cakey the Cake from Outer Space? Yes. Yeah. My friend Dynamo, not made up name. That's her real name. Really? Uh, yeah. Given? I, yeah. Wow. By parents. Yeah. Uh, she's like a brilliant um, graphic designer and visual artist and, and improviser, and she made this ridiculous uh, little series where I played the father who was a, a rage-filled cross-dresser, uh, and his uh, cakey, the cake from outer space, came to live with the family and stuff. So, so cake was the cakey was the protagonist. Yeah, and it was a puppet. It was a beautiful puppet. Is it accurate that you once appeared on As the World Turns? Yeah. <laughs> okay, that I'd like to know about. That was uh, that was early on. That was in New York, uh-huh. and. Um, they have a studio out in New York, I mean, in Brooklyn, um, that's been there forever. And in the basement is Esther Williams, uh, like, Olympic-sized pool that they used to shoot, like, scenes for, for her movies out there. Wait, I, I know the name, but who is Esther Williams and why did pools she, feature so Oh, she was, it was part of the, that kind of, like, not Busby Berkeley, but that that uh, there's this series of sort of uh, movies that were like the big musical numbers, but they happen in pools. Oh, all the synchronized, synchronized swimming, swimming and stuff. Uh-huh. A big, you know, a big, a big showcase, ladies. So get your hair wet. Um, and so it was in that building and I played a chauffeur and I, sitcoms are bizarre, man. They had like these little tiny um, closets that were their dressing rooms that just I think were literally like closets that they kind of moved stuff out and put a cot in there and a lamp and so it was very Spartan it felt like it was like a, a sleeper cell of like uh, acting and then um, we did their run through real fast okay we're going to go in and shoot it we shot it once I messed up that line that's fine shot it again I think I still messed up the line that's fine moving on I was like whoa okay you guys got a lot of stuff to do. <laughs> well, famously, um, I, I know that sitcom acting, it's obviously it helps if you're amazingly talented and amazingly funny and amazingly famous. Mm-hmm. But the people who get, who just keep on popping up in shows over and over and over are typically people who nail it on the first take and become yeah. known as people who do that. And that times 10 for the soap people. Well, but my thing, but my point is everyone messed up. The lines were nowhere near what we were oh, supposed to be. Oh, I thought you be. were just saying that you had dropped. The I ball. messed up, but then afterwards, the the lead guy is like, "Oh, I would, I, I, yeah, I was way off. It doesn't matter." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh, okay, cool." And that's a funny subculture because those people are. I couldn't name a single person who's on who's ever been on a soap opera. Susan Lucci, I guess. Juli- Julianne Moore came from that. Okay, all right, and uh, some other massive. Uh, Female actress came from that. A I few... know Rick Springfield. Yeah, is known to the world. <laughs> yeah, but we know true. them. But we know them because of the things they did. You know, beyond beyond that. that yeah. But within their world, it's always funny to me when people act 
like they're a very big deal and I don't know who they are. Yeah. I always find it very amusing when I'm in a Mexican restaurant and there's a soccer game on because there's always a soccer game happening somewhere uh-huh. in the world. Yeah. And the coach is this guy wearing like a very expensive Italian suit who's just like really over the top gesturing with this like $200 haircut and he's just like, oh, he doesn't like this one bit. And I'm like, who gives a fuck what that guy thinks? Who the hell is that guy? But I know that to billions of people, that guy is a massive, massive big deal. That's like oh, yeah. the Phil Jackson or, or whatever of, of the soccer world. And it would be he funny. De- he decides the, the, the fate and dignity of a country. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. He blows it. Yeah. So were there, I know you didn't spend a whole lot of time there, but were there very big egos that you encountered in the soap, don't you know who I am, soap opera kind of people? No. No, no, this one was, this one felt, I mean, I, you know, I was there for like one day, half a day. Yeah. So it was just like, I kind of like, whoa, this is a bizarre world. But you did get the sense that there was an older male actor who, you know, clearly had been playing you know, Ron Thrust for the past <laughs> 25 years. Bronston Devereaux. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, Do you have a mustache? Uh, no, but he had so much pancake makeup that yeah. it had become his skin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tell me about GaySharkTank.com. Does that ring any bells? Oh, yeah. That was a uh, like a weird video thing uh, that Guy Shalim, I think, asked me to do. Um and we shot it up at some fancy house up in the up in the Hollywood Hills on Marathon Day. So it was a nightmare to get to, mm-hmm. and a nightmare to, to to leave from to get out of there. Uh, and you just sit down and improvise. Like um, I think it's like a dating thing. God, what a fun what a fun line of work that you have. These yeah, it's, random things. It's so it's so crazy. And I I genuinely when you were like, "Oh, let's see if you remember." It's like a lot of stuff is like, "Oh, I don't I don't know." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you remember the girl with the tramp stamp tattoo? Mm. Oh, yes, that was a funnier die thing. Okay, yeah, that sounds yeah. that sounds about right. Uh yeah, the but, smallest cock in porn ring any bells? That is my my very good friend Seth Morris, who's uh-huh. hilarious and, yeah. and so, involved with this project as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, he plays uh uh my my father in this one and mm-hmm. then he he and uh Rob Cordry and John Ross Bowie and I were all a sketch group called Naked Babies, an improv group at UCB. Is that going back or is that That's going back. Like with that that was our our launching point together. Um, and uh, yeah and he made this really funny short film that it's like a, a documentary uh, about this guy of the tiniest uh, dick in, in porn yeah I, I'm sold yeah that must have been funny. really exciting I'm guessing Cordry's the first guy who popped out of your out of your yeah because he got on the, the Daily Show right um, Oh, and even well, actually, before that, uh, Bowie got on a uh, uh, short-lived uh, sitcom called uh, AUSA, um, but then it got—I think it got nixed pretty quickly, uh, and then, but then Cordry got that. Because sort of as somebody who has like absolutely zero foresight, I would have thought even if I'd somehow <clears throat> been around for UCB and been involved and gotten in a troupe that was getting a bunch of laughs, it was just like this isn't the way that you do it. We we know how people get on Saturday Night Live and right. then they get in movies. This isn't how you you. You do mean it. as far as doing improv? Or? This isn't how people launch careers. This is now people. Not that you're trying to get famous, but this you don't you don't. This isn't a conduit to bigger and better things. Well, if you look at like. Uh, Chicago and Second City and stuff. That's it true. is. I mean, yeah. it, that that all of this stuff is born from Chicago uh, improv. Out of you know, it's Del Close yeah. and he taught all these people. Um, Amy Poehler and Matt Besser and Matt Walsh and Ian Roberts and they all 
came to New York and just started teaching classes to make money, and then that that is literally how the theater started. They're like, oh. yeah, and they were doing their their sketch show, and they had their TV show. Yeah, which... and they're trying to get the they're sort of <coughs> cobbling stuff together to to pitch to Comedy Central. So, and that, but that show wasn't immediately that show wasn't very successful. I mean, they may have had a couple seasons out of it, but that's yeah, I not think the they... Amy Poehler that we know or the Matt Walsh right, that right. we know. Still took a minute after that. Yeah, it was like the it was like a three year thing, but it is. I mean, it's crazy. Again, it's like that DIY thing. It's like they were doing it because uh, they wanted to, to to keep doing the kind of comedy that they thought was great. Mm-hmm. And then out of that, people found, you know, they discovered like, oh, this voice, this voice or this way of expressing or finding ideas is viable and great and a great way of sort of like another – it was another um, mode of performance that made sense to the industry Whereas, yeah. you know, and I think your point was like at that time it wasn't it, – it took a minute for people to learn about it. That you could go in and yeah. be like, that was fucking so funny. How was that so funny? They just made yeah. that up. And to me it's it's actually a better incubator of considering that for the longest time it was, you know, stand-ups got movies. Well, I've met a lot of stand-up comedians who are not actually very funny people. Right. <clears throat> they worked really fucking hard to figure out a way to get 60 funny minutes of material. Yeah. But they're not actually – and that's not a knock on them. That's just – that's a, a, a fact. People yeah. who come out of – I know doing radio, I would rather talk to an improv person than talk to a stand-up comic because you guys are good at improvising. Yeah, and I think a comic is also uh, – they're more uh, they're more concerned and in control or wanting to control – their image or their idea, their brand. I discovered early on I wasn't into stand-up as much because I didn't know I didn't know what I wanted my stage persona to be. Right. And I didn't know I didn't know what my stage persona was to me. Um and and through improv, through doing years of improv, I realized like, oh, I I I like unhinged characters. I like the sort of like the I like portraying frustration and like sort of like low status high status kind of stuff and they're probably always you probably were more of a uh, of a, a type or a brand or a what have yeah. you from the get-go than you even realized well, yeah and i was you didn't re- become that you always were that and i was resistant to it honestly i was right. like i don't want to you seriously you see me as kind of like a an average white man <laughs> which is just like yeah yeah oh my god you are so average and so white <laughs> you are the median white are, male american you are a commercial uh, yeah it, pretty much it, i when i do a bunch of commercials or I, I used to do a lot more and it was always a thing of like how close am i to the sketch that they have for the commercial audition and if it was do they have actual sketches yeah they do yeah and so it'll just be sort of like i'm like oh okay so this guy's kind of Skinny and white. Okay, good. I'm in. I'm in a good place with it. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, Do you ever think about bicking? I feel like it's sort of central to what you bring to the table that you have uh, uh, an articulated receding hairline. Uh, bicking. What is uh, shaving? Oh, yeah. uh, I'm getting there. I think I get more work when I have a little bit more around, and I think I still have a good. It still looks good around me on me i think i think i knew it works not just anybody could pull that up but you're yeah doing it. thanks uh but i have thought i recently because i i let my hair go super long because uh, i wasn't haven't been doing anything for a while so i definitely i had like the sort of like um 1970s english professor look where it's just like this long kind of like bozo kind of thing <laughs> it kind of worked and i was like i think i prefer short uh i have to let you go i um i want to encourage everybody to check out 
the second installment of Mr. Neighbor's House, which is airing June 24th on Adult Swim. And everybody can find that with their DVR, which is probably the easiest way to make sure that, yeah. you, that you watch it by searching Mr. Neighbor's House 2. Two. It's fun. And there was, I knew it was going to be fun and I knew it was going to be weird. Um, but it was more fun than I expected it to be, weirder than I expected it to mm-hmm. be, and you wrap the thing up in a really neat bow that I definitely did not see coming. So oh, I, strong, cool. I strongly encourage people to uh, to check it out. Great. Thanks so much. Uh, thanks for being here, everybody. Yeah. You can follow you at the Brian Husky on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. Thanks. Check out the Instagram. I used to be on 